Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many eager kids do you suppose got a basketball instead of a bike for Christmas? Just because Santa's helper couldn't stand the thought of working into the wee hours figuring out how to put the darn thing together. Or maybe it was an extra doll instead of a complicated, complete with working lights and garage door opener doll mansion. Just to avoid having to hear the words that can strike fear into the even, even the most stalwart of Santa's helpers. Can somebody help me assemble this thing? Such an event would have sent you running for the manual, even though you knew it would do you no good. Based on past experience, you'd have had a better chance of understanding it if it were written in Mandarin Chinese. Robert Fulgham, author of Everything I Ever Wanted to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, has also written a piece about a cuckoo clock he found at a discount for his wife. Now, she wanted a real Bavarian one, but this one was on sale. He doubted it was authentic, but he bought it anyway. When he got it home, he took a look at it. He opened the box and a slip fell out with three things written on it. One, made in South Korea. Two, made of genuine simulated wood. And three, some assembly required. He managed to put it all together following the instructions as closely as he could. He finally got it in place and set it at 12 o'clock to test the bird. He set it off, but nothing came out. Then, in his own words, this is what happened next. I peered deep into the innards of the Bavarian alpine hut, and cowering in the back, I could see the bird. Using an ice pick and a chopstick, I attempted to lure the creature forth. I reset the clock to noon. The hour struck, the door flung open, and still no bird. Out of the darkness in the back of the hut came a kook, but no coo. Applying the principle of, if it won't move, force it, <clears throat> I resorted to a rubber mallet and a coat hanger, followed by vigorous shaking. I reset the clock. The hour struck. The door opened. Silence. I looked inside, and I saw a little corpse there, lying inside with a spring around its neck. Not many people in this world have murdered a cuckoo clock bird, but I've done it. Boy, some assembly required. Even you and I aren't born with what will be the finished version of ourselves one day. You know, by faith in God, uh, he sees it already. You And you enjoying that life prepared for you beyond this life. The happy reunions you have waiting for you. The freedom from sinful thoughts and words and actions. A lot of people can't even imagine that. I mean, sometimes it seems like our head just isn't on straight and we make bad decisions. Other times it seems like we're, we're all thumbs and we drop the ball. And still other times it feels like we have two left feet that keep us running in circles over and over again. We could all tell a story around that theme, couldn't we? That's why Christmas is so important. It's the beginning of the story about how we can be changed. It, it's all there. In the manual, in God's word, greatest love story ever told. Christmas is a celebration of the day the word became flesh. The apostle John writes about Jesus and dwelt among us so that he might rescue us from the power of sin, death, and the devil. The New Testament books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all narratives about Jesus' life. They tell the story, 
Matthew begins from Joseph's point of view. Luke begins with Mary's point of view. And Mark begins with Jesus' baptism and sort of sort of highlights for us some of the headlines of Jesus' ministry years. John writes with another purpose in mind, though. Near the end of his book, he says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, John doesn't want us to just know the facts. He wants us to understand the story. He wants to show us the truth behind the facts. He wants us to believe. He is, first of all, an evangelist, not just a reporter or an historian. Rather than looking through Joseph's eyes or Mary's eyes, John gives us the perspective of heaven. Listen again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Let's consider that for a minute. John is saying that everything stands or falls on the person of Jesus. It's all about who Jesus was and what he did, not just what he taught that matters. That's not true for the other religions of the world. It doesn't make much difference who Buddha was. It's his teachings that matter. Uh, The same is true of Islam. Muslims have a high regard for Muhammad, but the main thing is what he taught. The same thing holds true for Confucianism, but not Christianity. Our faith stands or falls on the person of Jesus. What he said matters because of who he was. What he accomplished for us by his suffering and death on a cross is inseparably tied to the truth of who he was. Now, true Christians of all makes and models have always agreed that in some sense, Jesus was both divine and human. John makes that clear this morning right out of the gate. Where they kept parting ways was on uh, the degree of one over the other. Some were simply content to push the mystery button and let it go at that, but not others. And so people began to come up with theories that would solve the mystery. One said that sometimes God must be the Father, other times the Son, and still other times the Holy Spirit. Another taught that because a human and divine nature could never reasonably coexist in the same person, the human and divine natures of God must have somehow become one nature in the one person of Jesus. Another said that God was not eternal, against what John clearly states this morning but that he was created by God and then bestowed with godly powers. I could list a whole page of heresies with names that are really hard to pronounce and uh, let alone remember and understand. But your Christmas present for me this morning is saving that for uh, Bible study sometime. And so over the centuries, the emperor would call together uh, these great church councils and they, they would wrangle over the issue. Uh, All those views we just talked about were rejected. And out of a council in 381, we got our version of the Nicene Creed. It said that Jesus was begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things made. In other words, true God along with true man. 
It sounds a lot like what John is saying this morning, but it wasn't until a council held in Chalcedon near modern-day Istanbul in 481 that they settled the question of just how much of each. Church leaders from Europe and Asia and Northern Africa were all there. They issued a definition that said, Jesus Christ was one person of two natures without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. It didn't end the heresies or the arguments or even the bloodshed that would follow, but it stuck. Fully God and fully man, full time. Does the definition help us to understand Jesus better? Maybe. But maybe the nuts and bolts of Jesus is meant to be embraced more than understood. He was exactly what we needed him to be in order that his sacrifice for all our sins one day could rescue us from what we had coming for those sins. Remember what Jesus said about our hearts. It's in Matthew chapter 15. He said, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. He's talking about our inner spiritual being, our fallen nature. The heart's just not a good thing to trust nowadays. It's not the best place to look for answers. But then our head's not always the best place to go either. Our reason can be just as fallen as our hearts. You doubt that? Let me demonstrate with a little quiz. How long did the Hundred Years' War last? Nope, it was 116 years. Which country makes Panama hats? Nope, it's always been Ecuador. What color is the purple finch? Nope, the colored parts are crimson. Okay, an easy one. Test your reason on this. What planet did Abbott and Costello go to in the film Abbott and Costello Go to Mars? You'd think, right? But nope, it was Venus. How'd you do? So much for reason, right? That's why God decided to come in person, to teach us, to love us, and to save us up close and in person. It's like me trying to tell you about the Eiffel Tower in Paris. It's made up of 18,038 individual iron parts. It weighs 10,000 tons. It needs to be repainted every five years using 50 tons of paint. It stands over 1,000 feet tall. In fact, it was the world's tallest building until the Empire State Building was constructed. But do all these facts really help you to envision what it looks like? No. But if I showed you a picture, or maybe a model, see? John tells us that the Word of God became flesh and dwelt with us. In the person of Jesus, God showed us who God is and the kind of person God wants us to be and whose image we were created. That's what our lesson is about this morning. It's about God coming to look us in the eye. And John tells us the story. You know, as people are struggling to live in a, uh, just survive in a world shaded dark by sin, we have a need to know the answers to a lot more serious questions than where Panama hats are made or how to get a cuckoo bird to come out of the clock. Questions like, what should I be doing with my life? Is there a way to make a fresh start when the whole world is locked down? Where's the guidance I need for happiness in my relationships? 
What's the point of the day-to-day grind I'm experiencing? How can I make the best use of my time and money and talents? Why do really nasty things happen to innocent people? And the all-time big question, is there more to life than what I can see? The answers to all those questions are in God's Word. The Bible contains stories and prophecies and guidelines for living with answers to those questions and more. But let's face it, it's a pretty daunting task to sit down and try to read the whole thing in one sitting. The Lutheran Study Bible is over 2,000 pages long. But the rewards and the answers are there if you do. And the lessons learned through Bible study are a lot easier to digest than trial and error in the school of hard knocks. We needed a more user-friendly version. And so the Word of God took on human flesh and became one of us in Jesus Christ. It was Jesus, a living, breathing, loving, forgiving, healing, teaching, consoling, challenging, and comforting true man and true God those 2,000 pages and 66 books in God's Word attest to. Jesus is more than just a word we sit down to read. He's a word we can watch and follow and marvel at through that word. See, once we see Jesus as the heart of Scripture, we have an absolute truth, a place to bring all our questions, a place to measure all the possible answers against. Even things like capital punishment or abortion or welfare reform, the loneliness and frustration of a COVID lockdown, you'll discover that you're never really alone and never unloved. And by faith in Jesus, never, ever unforgiven. It's like all those church councils and that model of the Eiffel Tower. Working out all the nuts and bolts about God are one thing. But actually seeing him is what finally brings the picture into focus. If you've seen me, Jesus once said, you've seen the Father. The book of Hebrews says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature. The Christmas season is a celebration of the time God came to be with us, to look us in the eye, to teach us, to love us, and most of all, to save us. And it's a time to remember that he'll be with us all through this coming new year. So may God bless us all as we embark on that adventure together. Amen. And now may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.